Hey guys, it's Tats here from Castagra, and welcome to the Specified Growth Podcast. Each week, I talk to leaders and experts about how to overcome adversity, grow massive organizations, and how to create meaningful change in the building materials and coatings industry. Today's guest is Joe Bazzano. He's the co-author of The Contractor's 60-Minute Exit Plan. The book was co-written with Kevin Kennedy. He's the owner and COO at Beacon Exit Planning and the owner of Bazzano and Rosenblum for 20 years. He's a certified public accountant, valuation analyst, and business exit consultant that's been working with closely held companies ranging from $5 million to over $300 million. So Joe, thanks for coming on the show. Hey, my pleasure. Good to be here. Yes. Yeah, so um, tell me uh, how you got into exit planning. Did you just fall into it or was that always the plan? No, it wasn't always the plan. My roots come from that of a CPA. And in doing that kind of work, I was always involved with the small business community. And you know, I worked from the startup company to the small business company, you know, ranging up to $200 million. Then I got involved in doing business valuation work, which was kind of a natural progression and kind of understood the business a little bit more than most normal accountants. And then I got involved with some clients that came in and required or requested some assistance from me because they were selling their business. And that was intriguing to me because I saw that beyond the normal compliance work, there was value work there. People and business owners really appreciated the advice in that respect. And so that's kind of how it evolved and did some training and, and got, got into this. And I now have been doing it. Uh, I mean, I would say in some respect, I was doing it since I began my CPA practice. But mm-hmm. I think formally, I started doing this or have been doing this for about 10 years now. Yeah. So it's great. It's rewarding. And it's, you see some great results. Yeah. I mean, you, I guess in that sort of situation, you probably have the greatest ability to, to help someone, right? Because they're, they're really trying to sort of fulfill some aspect of sort of their vision for what their life's going to look like. Yeah. And a lot of times business owners are stuck from a financial perspective and, and from an emotional perspective. Emotions are a real big aspect to exit planning. Mm. What sort of uh, emotions are you talking about? Well, just the, the, the idea of the finality of it, right? Mm. So, so you've got a business owner that has been engaged in the business, maybe started the business, has been doing the same thing for 40 years, and now the reality is sitting in that uh, they may have to leave it, or they're mm. going to leave it. And so... That emotional portion is, is somewhat difficult. Um, it's usually the biggest obstacle we confront in getting a business owner to start planning. Mm. Yeah. I mean, what are the, the signs that they're ready and what are the signs that they're not ready? <laughs> the not ready part is easy. <laughs> you know, when you ask and you see a business owner and you start talking with them and they say, well, yeah, I'm going to get out of the business in five years. <laughs> you see them again in maybe a year or two and they're going to say, well, I'm going to get out in five years. So, it's like a broken record. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or when they call their business their baby. Ah, oh, um, okay. That's another telltale sign. <laughs> you know, that, that that's going to be like root canal, trying to trying to get them to, to get out of their business. The ones that are ready typically are burned out. They understand mm. 
maybe uh, they become grandparents and they want to start living a second chapter of their life. Those come across quite a few times as well. So, I mean, can you be a great entrepreneur sort of thinking about the, the end, like starting with the end in mind? Like, or do you have to kind of fall in love with the, the company and go through all that stuff and deal with some of the pain on the back end? I mean, do you see people that are just so clear when they start, when they're going to end and, and sort of walk that path? No, I think, again, the finality, the mortality issue comes up for a lot of folks. But no, most business owners are passionate about what they do. They love what they do. In fact, in the construction industry, a lot of them really want to stay engaged in it. The majority of the time, they want to maybe disengage a little bit, kind of let go of the reins, but still stay engaged in the business because, as we say, it's not uh, for, for a lot of them, it's not what they do, but it's who they are. Uh, a lot of them have mm-hmm. their names on the business on the sign, on the trucks, and again, it's who they've become and the business is part of them in their life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when we talked earlier, I guess you mentioned something about the construction businesses being a bit harder to sell than some other businesses. Uh, can you explain that a bit? Yeah, most businesses, especially construction businesses, are, are contract-based. And so when you're a contract-based business, you're only good as, as good as your last project. Unlike company, maybe like a CPA firm, where you've got a lot of recurring revenue or, or some subscription companies where you can anticipate the growth or the revenue stream in the future. With construction, it's just very difficult to project what the future revenue stream. And when a buyer buys a business, and really that's what they're looking for is their future revenue and future profitability. Mm-hmm. So when you have a construction company or an industry that makes it very difficult to project those kinds of revenues, it just it creates a lot of risk and it creates a lot of difficulty in transitioning the business. Mm. So what does a construction company do to make it uh, more uh, sellable? Well, some of the key issues are creating recurring revenue. A lot of construction companies now are creating maintenance programs. Uh, maintenance programs for contractors become, um, not only they become a source of um, recurring revenue, it also for, for many have become a, a generation, a way to generate additional business. It essentially become the key, particularly like in the roofing industry. If somebody gets a maintenance contract with a business owner of a building, they become the go-to source. And so when a roof eventually needs to be prepared, needs to be repaired, they're their key person to go to. So, and not only that, but maintenance is also more profitable. And so as a buyer, if I, I'm looking for a construction company and I see, okay, there's going to be some contract work, but what kind of contract work is it? Is it bid work or is it negotiated work? If it's negotiated work, it's maybe a more of a relationship type of business, and so I'm a little bit more at ease. But if I see the type of maintenance contracts and I see the ability to generate some recurring revenue, that kind of sets me at ease a little bit more. And again, you know, it's all about risk. And as a buyer what kind of risk are you willing to accept? And and based on that evaluation, you're going to be able to determine a higher or lower value for the business. Mm, yeah. So uh, so these are these businesses are typically hard to sell. So how do these things typically typically go for these type of businesses if they're hard to sell? Well, the majority of the businesses that transfer construction are typically management buyouts where the management team will buy in over a period of time and get the business owner to transition. There are some opportunities for what we call external sales, where selling to maybe a competitor or some sort of a strategic buyer. Because again, because of the risk of construction, 
you're typically not going to get a very large premium for the business if you're selling to an outside buyer. That's important to understand. And with an internal transfer, again, selling to a management team or through an ESOP, there's a lot more flexibility for the, for the seller. There's ability to manage the, the tax obligation, right? So it's not so much what you get, it's what you keep. And so you may get a little bit higher selling to an outside party, or maybe you don't. But if you can manage the tax liability, you'll end up with more in the bank. Mm. So you mentioned uh, ESOP and management buyout. For those that don't know, what's, what are the differences in those two? The different type of options available to a business owner? So we, we generally see that there's five different ways to transition a business. The first one, again, is selling to an outside party, like a competitor, maybe somebody who's rolling up um, different businesses and creating one larger business. There's private equity firms out there that are very interested in certain construction companies. Again, in order to be attractive to an outside buyer or private equity group, you've got to have some strategic, some strategic alliances or there's got to be some niche that you're interested in that, that provides interest for the buyers. Otherwise, you're not going to get much. Then there's, uh, there's the ESOP or the Employee Stock Ownership Plan. That's a very tax-efficient way to transition the business. There's a lot of myths regarding the ESOP, but essentially an ESOP is essentially just another profit-sharing plan where it's just it's, it's a retirement plan that the employee vests in the value of the company as opposed to vesting in things like mutual funds. There's the management buyout, where again, you, you have a one or a group of managers that are going to eventually become the future owners of the business and they'll buy, buy the, the business from the, from the seller or sellers. And then the last one is typically, we don't talk about it very much in the exit planning process. It's called gifting. It's essentially a, it's a non-monetizing transaction, but it's a, it's a good way to transfer wealth efficiently from one generation or one family member to another. So those are kind of the five key elements or the five key transactions, transaction types that we use. I know there's uh, many factors in sort of what the objectives of the person selling the business wants, but let's look at it from just maximizing so the ROI or so the, the amount of money that comes out of it, what, what is the method to do that? Well, typically you're going to get the best benefit when you get a payout over time. So you're able to, if you're using a management buyout, you're able to manage your taxes a little bit easier, become more efficient in that respect. But just as important is the financial risk. The financial risk is the risk of not getting paid. And typically I see these, these deals or transaction structure in a way that the buyer, or excuse me, the seller signs away his rights in exchange for a note. And so he's now fully dependent on managers to be able to cut that check every month and more importantly, make sure that that check clears every month. We look at it from a perspective that we want to manage that financial risk. Right? We want to try to keep the owner involved and use some variety of different strategies so that the seller can maintain ultimate voting control or decision-making control of the transaction until he's finally paid. Now, that's not to say that you can't provide autonomy to the managers of the new men ownership team, allow them to, to work and make decisions on a day-to-day, but if there's a major decision that needs to be made, such as I always like to use the example, you know, if they want to buy a million-dollar crane and there's really no need for a million-dollar crane, then you have the overriding authority to be able to minimize that because 
it could have a profound effect on your ability to get paid in the future. Mm. So there's a, there's a lot of little nuances and the important thing is to balance those two areas of financial risk and tax risk. Yeah. You know, one thing that you'll find is there's usually an inverse relationship between taxes and financial risk, meaning the more you extend your financial risk or extend your terms, so if you extend your terms, you can manage your tax base easier. But if you minimize your financial risk, it means you get paid all at once. And it's a little bit more difficult to plan for tax or efficiency. Definitely a, a personal thing for sure. Mm-hmm. So, so other considerations probably include legacy, right? You have employees that are, are like family. You mm-hmm. want to protect them and, and make sure that things go well. What sort of considerations that you need to, to put in place if you're trying to create that continuity or just protect the people that are associated with the company? Yeah, well, typically, if you're doing an internal transfer, there's a lot of protection there, right? Because you're involved. You've got a management team that understands the culture. And so they, in some form or fashion, will continue that culture because it worked, right? And, and so there's, there's that continuity and there's protection. And if you're going to an outside party, you can pre- present your wishes. But the reality is once you sign on the deadline, you're going to give up that control. And it's really up to the buyer to really dictate what that legacy looks like. You know, to the point where they may even change the name of the company. Right. So I understand legacy is pretty big, pretty important for a lot of business owners. And it's actually one of the key elements of our planning. We look at three main areas of planning for a business owner when we do exit planning engagements. And it's business, personal, financial planning. And the personal planning really falls under that. The legacy really falls under the personal planning envelope. Mm. So yeah, just to extend that legacy thought, I mean, obviously you get to talk to a lot of successful entrepreneurs that spent 30, 40 years of their life building up this organization. What sort of kind of positives or regrets do you hear from these entrepreneurs that kind of facing the last phase of their entrepreneurial career? Yeah. Well, I think a lot of them appreciate what they've accomplished. I would say a lot of them wish they had started planning sooner. And not so much on the exit planning, but also on this, what we can succession planning. Succession planning and exit planning to us is very different disciplines. Exit planning to us means the monetizing of your business and replacing your income, where succession planning is really replacing yourself. Right, mm. so it's molding and molding the managers, molding the the individuals to be able to start acting and thinking like owners as opposed to employees. That's probably one of the biggest regrets that we see from business owners. But, you know, the successful ones, again, they love what they do. They're passionate about their work. And that passion and passion has gotten them the success that they, they now enjoy. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit more about succession planning. Hmm. So essentially, you're trying to line yourself up to, to be replaced. What, is that, what does that process look like? How do you make sure it goes well? Well, I mean, that's a, that's a difficult process because what it entails is changing people's personalities and understanding personalities. And a lot of times when managers come into ownership, they don't understand what ownership looks like. They see one aspect and, you know, maybe the business owner has a second home or a nice car. And so they see a lot of the, the benefits, <laughs> but they don't realize that the business owner has signed bonding and banks and every day he gets up. And he or she get get up, and it's it's all at stake. 
they could lose everything that day. So that's, it's a process and a process can take anywhere from two to 10 years, depending on how involved and how engaged the owner is and, and, and the team are. Whereas an exit plan can be executed in about six months to a year. So it's a little bit different. It's a lot different actually, but it's succession planning is critical. And I'll say succession planning is critical, not only if you're transacting an internal transfer, but if you're doing, if you're transacting an external transfer, because it's important for a buyer to come in and understand that there's a management team in place that can help with the continuity and that can help with the relationships and the transfer of that business to the new owner is going to reap the same type of benefits and results. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. It's a lot of uh, unknowns. Now, uh, you've had a, a pretty long career doing all different aspects of, like you said, tax planning and, and all sorts. When you look back, you know, what sort of uh, adversity have you gone through? Like, what have you sort of, what are some bumps that you've been through? Well, you know, from the tax side, the changing tax laws are always a big deal. They're always trying to figure out what the government is willing to accept and what they're not willing to accept, right? We always say, you have to pay your taxes, but there's no, no reason that you have to leave a tip, right? So getting to understand the tax laws, and a couple of years ago, the tax laws were changing almost it seemed like every two years. And so getting, getting on top of that was, was critical and kind of, it was a challenge because you're advising and it was, got to the point where it was hard to advise clients because tax laws were being changed in December, the middle of December for that year retroactively. So that was really a difficult aspect of working with business owners in both the tax and the exit planning mm. realm or arena, I should say. Yeah. I mean, what, what sort of hobbies do you have outside the stuff that you do for companies? Oh, I, um, I play a lot of golf. I play some tennis. Just enjoy getting out. I just moved down to Texas mm. and, uh, from the Northeast. and. As soon as this quarantine is over, I'm going to be hitting out and getting, <laughs> hitting some white balls around the course for sure. <laughs> no, that's perfect. If you had to go back, what would you uh, tell your younger self? What would I tell my younger self? Well, I would probably get involved in this a little bit earlier. And yeah. when I got involved and I started training more to be an exit planner, I realized some of the mistakes that I made in my own business. Yeah. And probably could have been a different. Could have, could have been in a different situation. But, you know, I practice what I preach now and things are changing and uh, I'm getting to where I need to be. Yeah. So uh, I guess I'll ask you, you hook up your business partner, I guess, uh, Kevin. I think uh, you guys work uh, well as a team. How did that happen? Yeah, so when I went to, when I decided to become an exit planner, there was a, an association that was, was providing some training and so I just happened to go up at that point. It was up in the Boston area. And so we, we sat in a room for training and a typical training situation. Everybody got up in the room and uh, introduced themselves. And in this room, you could imagine was accountants, financial planners, attorneys. And this one guy gets up and he says, I'm a roofer. And I, <laughs> like, I think this guy's in the wrong session. <laughs> so. And so we went through this session and ironically, he and I just kind of hit it off and we started talking and I understood that, that Kevin was, was a little different in the room because he was the only one who had gone through the process. Mm. He bought into a business, he built the business and then he sold the business. In getting out, 
he realized getting out and then going through this training and, and after having several conversations together, he realized that he overspent millions of dollars. He and his partners overspent millions of dollars in their exit. You know, they, le- they left a couple million dollars on a table that they didn't need to. And so Kevin decided to make this his life's work in his post-construction career, right? He had a new career now as an exit planner. And so he decided to kind of get the word out on what to do and what not to do. So Kevin really is, is an entrepreneur. He's been through the process and he provides a lot of great value in talking to business owners that are trying to go through that process and maybe have that emotional issue or, or even financial issue. And he can provide that comfort, if you will, to a customer. And then I come in with the technical background and the experience and, and advising customers and and clients and getting through the business and whether it's valuation issues or financial planning issues or taxation issues, I can provide a, be a good source of, of, of information to help guide the business owner. So collectively, you know, the two of us, we cover a lot of ground and I think we, we are, we're a great team and things have been good. And, and I think a lot, of, a lot of our clients appreciate what we have to offer. A lot of clients appreciate the fact that Kevin has gone through the process. And, yeah. and so when they ask questions, they know they're getting answers from not somebody who's read it in a book, but who's actually walked the walk and, and talked the talk. Sure. So speaking from experience is a powerful tool to uh, get people to open up. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, you're busy, you're, you're working on different things. You have, I guess, I think you have two books. Is that correct? We have, uh, yeah, we, uh, Kevin and I authored one, the Contractor yeah. 60 Minute Exit Plan, yeah. and we co-authored a, another book. We were contributors in another book that was created by uh, the glass industry, glass and glazing com- industry. And both were very successful. The Contractor 60 Minute Exit Plan was number one on Amazon, and the Glass and Glazing uh, book won a Stevie Award, which is a business award. So uh, we're pretty proud of those accomplishments. and all happened within a period of two years. So that was great. That's very cool. So you're busy. You know, I know Kevin does speeches. You're, you're working on many different projects. What sort of things do you sort of, what sort of habits do you have to sort of stay organized and, and successful? Do you have any routines or habits you fall back on? Just try to get things done. I think from um, one of the issues I have is I sometimes I'm scattered, right? So my email goes and so I try to turn all that stuff off and make my lists of things that need to be addressed. And I try to stay with it. It's been a little bit more difficult these days with the quarantine and kind of get a little bit of cabin fever. And it's harder to meet customers. And a lot of my work is, is really one-on-one with clients too, meeting them. And I do a lot of traveling, which is great because it's uh, not only do I get to see the customers face-to-face, but I've also gotten to see places in this country that I never thought I'd see. So very cool. So that's been a good aspect of, of this work as well. So I, I've got my lists and I get, get through them every day. And I try to uh, stay on top of the tax changes and other regulatory changes that come up. So I have got my hands full, to say the least. <laughs> For sure. So uh, last question. Is there anything else you'd like to share with the listeners? Well, if, from an exit planning perspective, I would suggest Get on top of this sooner than later. People always ask me that question, you know, when should I start planning for my exit? And my answer is always, as soon as you get into 
as soon as you get into your business, right? when you, as soon as you start. Many people get into business for many different reasons. You really need to understand what those reasons are for. And if it's just, if you're just starting a business to, to get a paycheck, then you know, that's understandable. But if you're into business to grow the business and have it become a, a major investment in your life, you really need to get an understanding of how you're going to monetize this business because it's not, the odds are not in your favor of being able to monetize this business. So we always educate on, uh, when we do presentations around the country and when we write and speak, and it's always get on top of this sooner than later because it, it, it takes time. There's a lot of obstacles that you as a business owner are going to have to be confronted and you're going to have to overcome. You have to understand your emotional aspect, attachment to the business. You're going to have to figure out financially how dependent you are on this business. I mean, we've got business owners that their net worth is pretty high, but 92 to 95% of that wealth comes from the business. So if that business collapse, they're in pretty dire straits financially. Yeah. So it's important really get a, get a good understanding of that. Those are probably the, the most important things and most important charge, if you will, that I, I give to my clients that we, we talk to that really start sooner than later. Well, thank you, Joe. Yeah, definitely uh, learned a lot of different things there. So I appreciate it very much. Oh, you're quite welcome. Thank you. I want to thank everyone for listening to Specify today. Also want to thank the listeners who are working hard each day to change the world to make it a better place. If you know anyone, anyone that would benefit from this episode, please pass it along. And finally, make sure you subscribe to hear upcoming episodes. Talk to you soon. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.